listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Today on this episode of Let the Bible Speak, we're studying Paul's first letter to Timothy and the chapter 5. Let me read in your hearing the first eight verses of 1 Timothy chapter 5. The Word of God says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Honour widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. And so speaks the word of God. Uh, and let's just bow in a word of prayer, and you pray for your own heart today, and that as you hear the word of God, that the Lord would speak to your soul. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank you for this time to consider your word afresh today. We thank you for the word of God that is always relevant it is the living word that speaks to our souls. And we pray it would come with freshness to all who hear. Instruct us, we pray. Do us good and minister to us in Christ's name. Amen. One of the benefits of studying the pastoral epistles are that in these epistles we have very clear instructions regarding the functioning of the church. The New Testament is replete with examples giving us the understanding that the local church is of tremendous importance in this world. It is Christ's will that he gathers his people together into these local bodies. They are manifestations of his body on earth. They are those who serve him and worship him and honour his name. And thus the institution of the church is not a man-made invention. It is indeed in the very will of Christ for this world. And so in these pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus, we have clear instructions regarding how the church should function in the world. It is as if we are listening into a conversation between Paul and Timothy. And Paul, the elder brother, is speaking to his son the faith, and he's telling Timothy, this is how you should run a church. This is in the Bible. This is... Speaking to all of our souls today, we, we cannot believe in the Bible at the same time as disregarding the importance of the local church. Paul's words to Timothy echo down through the corridors of time and they are tremendously relevant to you and me today. They are relevant, of course, to those in church leadership, but they're also relevant to those in church membership so that you would know what you should expect from your elders and that you would know how to live in the church in which God has placed you. I think of the words of 1 Timothy chapter 3, 
For Paul says, If I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And so Paul is writing in his physical absence, he's writing that Timothy and others would know how to behave themselves in the house of God. And it is that thought of the church as God's house that comes to the fore in these opening verses of 1 Timothy chapter 5. Note the terms that are used. Paul tells Timothy, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. He refers to the younger men as brethren, the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters. In other words, he sees that the members in the church should be treated in a similar fashion to family members, as the church of Jesus Christ is indeed a family. Terms used, father, brethren, mothers and sisters, all indicate that we join together as a a local church, and as we do so, we are to function as a family. Now, tragically, through the fall, there are many people who live in families that are marked by pain and tragedy and division and conflict and strife. But that was not God's will for the family. And he's using the family imagery in the church as a positive image that we'd understand the nature of our interpersonal relationships. In the very Gospels, there is the occasion where the Lord's mother and his half-brothers come to him and the Lord takes the opportunity to tell the public the nature of the family of God. He says, Behold, my mother and my brethren, as he stretches his hand toward his disciples. They're his family. For he says, Whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Now you can read those words for yourself in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, and the verses 49 and 50. And so Christ himself uses this metaphor of family to describe those who are his disciples. If you are a follower of Christ, you're brought into this family under Christ as our elder brother. And so in these verses, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, we are seeing Paul's direction regarding some family responsibilities within the church. There, there are two things that I just want to leave with you in this broadcast today. There is the matter of correction and there is the matter of care. Correction is the main issue in verses 1 and 2. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. The younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters. This matter of Timothy as a pastor having to rebuke people in the church is indication that the the church will indeed deal, deal with the matter of sin in its midst. These verses are dealing with the correction of sin in people in these various age groups, male and female, but also the younger men and the older men, the younger men, younger women and the older women also. When you think about this, you understand that Paul is simply giving instruction in the biblical framework regarding the church as a family of God. And as the family of God, the local church is marked by unity and by diversity. And as you think of this matter of unity, let me remind you that the family terms that are used do indicate that the church is a family. 
The church is a family under one heavenly father with one elder brother, all of whom share this one legal status of adoption. There is the one father over the church of Christ. The Lord tells the disciples to pray, Our Father, which art in heaven. There are some who believe in a, in a universal fatherhood of God. But the Bible tells us that it is those who, who come to, to know Christ, they are those who are the sons of God. In the language of John chapter 1, those who are the sons of God are those who are born of God. And those who are born of God are those who believe on the Son of God. And so it is through faith in Christ Jesus that we enter into the family of God. And God is our Heavenly Father. And there is only one Heavenly Father. And so as we exist as a family, part of our unity as a family is because we share this one Heavenly Father. It's worth reminding ourselves again that when we gather together as a body of Christ, we have this shared identity as those who are sons of the Most High God. Not only do we share one father, we share one elder brother. There are some wonderful words in Hebrews chapter 2 and the verses 11 and 12 where it says, For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he, that is Christ, is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Christ, who is the eternal Son of God, the eternal Son of God, taking a true human nature. And as the God-man, he is glad to call us his brethren. What condescension there is in the heart of Christ. He was holy and harmless and undefiled. He was separate from sinners, is willing to identify with sinners as our elder brother. What grace and what mercy there is. And we share this elder brother. Every member of the family of God. We have this common unified identity that we are all the brothers and sisters of Christ Jesus. We share this one heavenly father. We share one elder brother. And we share one legal status. We are members of God's family by adoption. We are legally adopted into the family of God. Those who have the power, the authority to be the sons of God are those that believe on his name, are those who are born of God. John chapter 1 verses 12 and 13. Furthermore, in Galatians chapter 4 we read, When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Oh, Christ was sent into this world so that he would pay the price of our law-breaking. We recognize that as sinners, we are cursed because we have not kept God's law. We have broken God's law in thought and word and deed. But God loved the world and sent forth his Son, and his Son was made of a woman made under the law, with the purpose that he would redeem us who were under the law. And he redeems us, being made a curse for us. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And as Christ is cursed of his Father, so he redeems those of us who are under law, but come to trust in him. And all who come to trust in him as their Saviour, then in turn receive this privileged status of being adopted as the sons of God. 
We don't deserve anything of God's grace. And when we come to know forgiveness, not only do we know forgiveness, we know this in gathering into the very family of God. We're adopted as sons of God. Are you a member of God's family today? I wonder, am I speaking to someone and perhaps you're feeling the isolation, the brokenness of a, of a tragic home. You know a, a history of abusive parents. You've known nothing but a, a fracturing of your relationship with your siblings. Perhaps there's isolation and loneliness. Well, I tell you today, I offer you today, there is the family of God. A family that is marked by God's grace. A heavenly father who cares, who knows what we need and ministers to our needs with great generosity. We have this family with an elder brother who is willing to fight for us. He is willing to be our defender, our advocate. We have this elder brother who indeed has given himself that we might live. What a family this is. A family with this glorious heavenly father, with this conquering elder brother, and a family that has reserved in heaven an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. Being part of this family sets us on the path for glory, where we will forever be with our family, forever be with those with whom we share a like precious faith in Christ and a love for our elder brother above all. Oh, I encourage you, Flee from the sins of this world. Flee from the tragedy of this world today and find the refuge and the comfort and the peace that is found in being part of God's family. And so as you hear these terms in 1 Timothy chapter 5, we're hearing terms that illustrate again the metaphor that the church is a family under God. Unity, but also diversity. The terms that are used in these two verses indicate that the church members will vary in age and in sex. There are male and female, and there are also the young and the old. And it is this diversity that underscores Paul's instruction to Timothy that he will treat people as he finds them in terms of their status in this life. And so Paul is telling Timothy to exercise humility to remember fraternity, to be careful to show charity, and to do all in purity. And so as you think of this diversity, note what Paul tells Timothy regarding his treatment of one who is older than him. In such a case, he is to show humility. As a younger man, Timothy is told to show humility to those who are older. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father not a rebuke Uh, this idea of a rebuke involves the idea of what we might term giving someone a dressing down dealing with someone's sin in in a very strong fashion Leviticus chapter 19 verse 32 tells us that thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God I am the Lord part of walking in the fear of God is that we are to have a healthy respect for those who are our elders. Those who are older than us ought to be honoured and respected. The same is taught in a negative sense in Lamentations chapter 5, where it says the faces of elders were not honoured, and that's in the context of rebuke and condemnation. The implication here is that the elders, whilst they are to be respected, 
are not beyond falling into sin. Uh, don't become complacent if you're getting to a, an older point in your Christian life and you, you think to yourself, well, I've, I've come through many battles and now I'm, I'm safe from falling into sin. No, there is a time and there may well be a time when a younger pastor will have to rebuke an older member. But the man of God must remember who he is talking to. And the idea here is that the younger pastor will come alongside the elder and entreat him. The idea here is of private counsel. The sense of rebuke is that this rebuke takes place in public. First Timothy 5, them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. Oh, there is a time when an elder, even one who may hold that office in the church, that they must be rebuked before all. But at other occasions, Paul is telling Timothy here, no, don't rebuke your elder, but entreat him. Entreat him. Oh, I think it should be reminded that the, the church pulpit is not the place to deal with private issues. Part of pastoral ministry must be dealing with people discreetly. But the word entreat that is used here has a sense of comfort, of encouragement, of exhortation and even pleading. Paul writes in Philemon verse number 9, Yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such and one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten my bones. Here's this idea of pleading. And so Paul is telling Timothy, when it comes to the sin of the elder, don't rebuke, but plead, entreat, exhort them with a sense of humility. At the same point, Paul tells Timothy to remember the fraternity that he has with the younger men and the younger men as brethren. Oh, he is not to be guilty of finding himself in friendships that he would then compromise as a pastor he is he's going to have to at times rebuke their sin but he's not to lord it over the younger men but treat them as brothers the church family should be a time when brothers and sisters can exist in the atmosphere of genuine friendship and in such an atmosphere there can be care and discipleship between the pastor and the congregation pilgrim's progress written by John Bunyan, is a wonderful story, an allegory of the Christian life. And in Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan gives Christian the main character. He gives him friends who help him along the way. There are those who, who are his companions and they encourage each other, they strengthen each other. And so it ought to be in the Church of Christ. There ought to be those peer relationships that, that we can encourage and strengthen each other as we seek to walk with God. There is also then the matter of charity, the elder woman as mothers. As a son is to have profound care and consideration for the mother, so the younger pastor is to be careful towards the older woman, and that as the pastor would deal with their sin, so he will do so with tenderness, with compassion and with respect. There will be a sense of which the pastor will come to this older woman as if he was coming to his own mother. And I imagine the scene that with tears falling down the pastor's cheeks, he would challenge the older woman because of their particular sin. Finally, Paul deals with the matter of purity. That as a pastor, he is to deal with the younger ladies as if they are sisters with all purity. The respect 
that a brother would show for his sisters ought to be shown within the Church of Christ. Church leaders have often fallen foul of immorality, not guarding their hearts and indeed abusing their power, their prominence, even their popularity. And in so doing, they have not treated their younger members, those younger ladies, they have not treated them as sisters with all purity. Oh, how important it is that the church be a safe place without any fear of sexual abuse, the abuse of power or some other way that would lead to immorality. Sadly, there are many churches that that has not always been the case. And so, as we hear these words of instructions, let me remind you and that you pray for the health and the well-being of your own local church. You see, as we hear Paul's words, there are certain lessons that are implied from this. The church is to be a place where relationships are appropriate. If these distinctions are to govern pastoral care, then they will also govern all interactions. Relationships within the church will take into account matters of age and sex. Children and young people ought to be taught to show respect to their elders. One of the tragic consequences of the breakdown of authority in our society is that young people are being raised, presuming that there is no such thing as legitimate authority, that all manner of authority can be contested. Well, may it be so in our churches that our young people understand the the importance of respecting their elders and showing them due reverence in their conduct. This ought not to be uh, leading to a distance between the older and the younger members. We think of the Lord and how he, he embraces the children. Yet there should be respect. There should not be over-familiarity in the address or the conduct of young people towards their elders. Furthermore, it is clear that men ought to take great care in their relationships with women, those who are not their wives. There ought to be purity, that there ought not to be abuse in the church of Christ. Because the church, being a place where relationships are appropriate, is also a place where sin is admonished. That the old sin as well as the young, and when they do so, their sins are challenged and dealt with. We all, we all need people to point out our sins. None of us are beyond a blind spot when it comes to a particular area. And so how important it is that within the church there are those who will come alongside and show us our sins so that we can repent of our sin and be sanctified and made more like Christ Jesus. Oh, the church family, this place where sins are dealt with, but are dealt with in compassion, in grace, in respect, is a place where a child of God can be tremendously sanctified and edified and made more like Christ. We see once more the benefit of the local church. And so there is correction in view here. And let me, uh, just as we close, touch on the issue of care. There is to be care within the church. Paul tells Timothy, honour widows that are widows indeed. And we'll say more about this in the next episode. We'll say more about the identifying of these widows. But for now, simply note that within the context of the church, there ought to be proper care. We see this in Acts chapter 6. There was a problem, there was a division in the early church because the widows had, were being neglected in the daily ministration. It illustrates to us again that the church was a place where those 
who were genuinely in need as widows, were, were cared for, they were ministered to in the context of the church. Yet the church was not to take over the role and the responsibilities of the family members. Verse number four says, If any widow have children or nephews, let them, that is the children or nephews, learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents. In other words, that if the widow has those children or nephews who can care for them, so that care ought to come from their own family and not primarily from the local church. We see in verse number 8 that if any provide not for his own, that is his own widows, especially those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than infidel. Here, here we have a, a broader view of family than we may have it today. But there is a sense in which the family is the place where care is offered, at least in the initial stage. But the church also gets involved, that if there are those here, widows, who are destitute, desolate, and without care from their family, so the church would be a place where they can find help and support. The family members, they are responsible for keeping the fifth commandment. They are to honour father and mother, not only in childhood, but also in adulthood. And so there are these proper spheres of responsibility. There is the family, the church, and the state. And proper functioning in these spheres requires each sphere knowing its particular role. But there's overlap within these spheres. And so at times when the family cannot properly minister to the widow, so the church will then do that, which is the function of the family. The church will come alongside and show care to those in need. The church will deal with sin in the family, and the church will come and help with care in the family. And so there's this, this overlapping of sphere responsibility in this world. And as we close today, let me just remind you that Christ has organized his people into churches for their well-being. And it is as we function together as local churches that our sins are dealt with, we are made more like Christ, and we also share and are benefited by the care that we can give the one for the other. So very simply, make sure you are part of a biblically ordered church and pray that your church would function in the way that God has intended. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.